Sometimes studying the Bible can feel overwhelming and confusing. Grounded in Truth with Janet Dennison will help you learn to study, understand, and apply God's Word to your daily life. His Word is true. And guess what? It's for everyone. So thanks for joining us today as we dive into Scripture together. to the Grounded in Truth podcast with me, Janet Dennison. We are looking at final words of instruction in our most recent study titled Until the Whole World Hears. This study is a collection of final lessons or messages from Christ and other biblical heroes. Their words are profoundly important because they are among the last words authored for people they loved. This study will remind you to use your life and influence to help others receive the gospel message of Christ. I'm excited to teach these lessons and pray that God will use them to strengthen and inspire you to live your earthly life with God's eternal priorities. Let's get started with this week's lesson. Lesson 15 is titled, What is Biblical Christianity? And it's out of 1 John chapter 1. Remember, John was an apostle, and he was the only apostle to die a natural death. He had cared for Mary. He had lived in the region of Ephesus, where so many of the churches, powerful churches, had been brought up. He had probably been in the group that fled Jerusalem after or just after the fall of the Jerusalem temple in AD 70. And he went to Ephesus where he could be lost in the crowd. He was part of Jesus' inner circle along with Peter and James. Not the half-brother named James, but the one that wrote the letter, but a different James, James the Apostle. He was called the beloved disciple because of all of the disciples, John seemed to know Jesus most uh, as a heart friend. The main theme of this letter, the reason John wrote his letter, was to encourage the Christians to stand firm, to not be swayed by what was happening in the church at times and also in the culture. And it is considered to be true apostolic teaching, but it's a much different flavor than the letters of Paul. Paul's letters uh, were more theological, more geared towards teaching, whereas John's letters are difficult to place in terms of their date, their history, and their setting. Uh, It's hard sometimes to even know why John wrote what he wrote. There is a different gifting between Paul and John. I would say Paul was a gifted evangelist and theologian. John was more of a theologian shepherd. His heart was for the people. And you'll notice there's a difference in tone and in writing. But if you'll keep that purpose in mind, John was shepherding the people in the early church. Because apparently the church had grown to a place where they had developed division 
not only in the community, but in their churches as well. And the division is probably what prompted John to write the words that are in this letter that we call 1 John. He begins chapter 1 saying, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. There is at least a 20-minute lesson in verse 1, but I'll narrow it down to this. John is saying that what I teach is what I've experienced, what I've seen. I don't teach something that I didn't hear straight from the horse's mouth. In scripture, when you see a phrase like concerning the word of life and word is capitalized, that is the word everyone associated with Jesus. The life he said, appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to you to make our joy complete. He was an eyewitness to the life of Jesus, who by this time in church history had come to be known as the Word. They were Christians were often called people of the Word. And that's why when John wrote his gospel, which, by the way, was probably written at just about the same time in history as his letter, he begins his gospel, the gospel of John, saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Those were familiar ways of referring to Jesus as the Word, as the light, all essential qualities of a Christian. And so chapter 1 continues with John writing, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John is defining in his gospel who Jesus was, who Jesus was always, and the reason Jesus came to earth. He came physically in the flesh, the Godhead, the creator, who created all things, who was there from the beginning, and who came to be a witness to the light, even though he was also the light. I guess you could say this. 
If you ever find somebody who says they completely, thoroughly understand and can explain the Holy Trinity, well, just keep going. It has been impossible for everyone all through theology. How can God be three in one? And yet he is. Father, Son, Spirit, existing before time, existing with unique purposes and unique work for each to do. But the reason this matters, the reason John makes it very clear in his gospel is the same reason he'll make it very clear in his letter of 1 John. This was a period in history when the Gnostics had become a very big problem in the early church. They were trying to marry Greek philosophy with Christian truth, and their message was popular. It gave people a way to feel intellectually capable of being a Christian while living with completely non-Christian standards for their life. John, at the very beginning of his letter, says, here's what you need to know. Jesus was a man in flesh and blood. He was also God, and he always was. And he came for the purpose of being a light. And now back to the letter of 1 John in verse 5. John says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. John is saying, I am teaching you what Jesus taught me. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. This is John calling out the Gnostics who had become very popular, whose thinking had become very popular. In essence, the Gnostics taught this, that we experience God as spirit through our, our thinking, through our minds. We would use the term enlightened in order to know God that it was something that we just knew ethereally in our mind. Therefore, because our relationship to God is in our minds, the Gnostics taught it doesn't matter what we do with flesh. Flesh is fallen. It's sinful. God's not in our flesh. Otherwise, we wouldn't sin. And so the Gnostics had a popular theology that they were teaching, that we were to know God. And of course, there were some verses that say that. They used those verses to create a gospel of their own that was not truth. But that gospel insisted that a God, the God, could never have been a human being. People just perceived him that way. But he couldn't have been sinless if he had a human body. That will be an important thing to understand as we go through this letter. And it's something that wasn't just a first century issue. There are a lot of people who, because they know about God, think they know about 
the light of truth. There are a lot of people who don't know if they really believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet all are essential to the gospel message that we are saved by faith, that he was the sacrificial lamb chosen before the foundations of the world. And we know that God's word is light. It is the perfect truth. And the Holy Trinity is holy. If that's not our faith, if we have a message other than the message that John and the apostles taught, then we lie and don't live out the truth. On the other hand, verse 7, if we walk in the light, in this truth of Jesus Christ, as he is in the light, if we walk through the power of Jesus in our lives, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Again, a spirit being could not have made a blood sacrifice for all of us. That's the importance of the true word of God, and that's the importance of our witness. Sin, the price of sin, is sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. It was true from the first sin when God took an animal and sacrificed it in order to clothe Adam and Eve. It's always been the way sin was covered. And so for the Gnostic faith to have risen up and taught Jesus as a spirit being was to destroy one of the fundamental tenets of the Christian faith. We have fellowship with one another and with Jesus when he's purified us from our sin through his sacrifice on the cross. If we claim to be without sin, that means if we claim to be good enough to get to heaven on our own, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. To know Jesus is to know him as God and to receive salvation you have to understand your need of God. If we claim to be without sin, and there's a lot of people in the world who believe themselves to be pure enough for heaven, simply because they're not as bad as a whole lot of people they know. To trust we can be good enough on our own is to deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's why the important gospel message calls us to confess our sins, knowing that if we confess our sins, if we confess our need of Jesus and ask him to cover our sins. He is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins, and he purifies us from all unrighteousness. If Jesus indwells you because you've placed your faith in him, 
He has purified your life, and you are ready for heaven. It's not that you'll stop sinning, and we'll see that later in this letter, but you are purified from your responsibility, your payment of the sin. You've allowed Jesus to cover your sins through his blood. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Jesus out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. That's what verse 10 says. We make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So there is only one Jesus, only one Son of God. We can't trust or teach the world's philosophy because it's darkness. If we want to teach truth, we have to teach the gospel message. And Jesus is who the apostles reveal and teach. Everybody sins. Therefore, everyone needs Jesus. So remember or think on that Gnostic philosophy that's popular in the day. Because we can't know God unless we know him through his son, Jesus Christ. We can't live for God except by the power of Jesus Christ in us. Os Guinness is a contemporary theologian. He's very wise. I actually had the privilege of meeting him once and having a seminar with him. And I like what Os Guinness says about who Jesus is, his humanity slash deity. Oz wrote, Christianity is not true because it works. It works because it is true. Another theologian, Hans Kung, says, a church which abandons the truth abandons itself. And one of the founders of our country, he was a Quaker by the name of William Penn, said, truth often suffers most by the heat of its defenders than from the arguments of its opposers. But there's one more quote I want you to consider. Os Guinness would tell us that Christianity is true because it's true. Not because we decide it works for us, but the reason it works is because it's truth. There is such a thing as truth. It's not personal. It's simply truth. There are churches that abandon truth, and when they do, they abandon their heart for God. They abandon the will of God, because if you separate from the truth, you have separate, se separated your theology from the light. And William Penn says, truth suffers most by those of us who try to defend it with arguments. And that's why I wanted to say this one last thing. Jesus said, 
If you stand by my teaching, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. As we look at this letter from John, the great pastor, theologian in Scripture, let's understand and remember what it means and what it takes in order to stand with a firm theology of who Jesus is. He wasn't an idea. He wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't a philosopher. He wasn't even just a prophet. Instead, he is a unique person on his own. He is uniquely holy, uniquely sinless. He is uniquely a man of God while being God himself. It's so important to stand firm on who you know Jesus came to be. Because that's why we are set free. And the truth will set us free. Let's be dedicated to the truth of God's Word. See you next time. If you're enjoying this study, we know you'll be strengthened and encouraged by our other studies at Foundations. We provide a variety of Bible studies, from in-depth studies like Until the Whole World Hears, to shorter studies like In Step with the Spirit. Most of our studies include digital teaching from Janet, along with downloadable resources like reflection questions, commentary, and even teaching guides. Whether you're a seasoned student of the Bible or new to studying Scripture, we have a Bible study that can help you grow in your knowledge of God's Word. To browse through our other free Bible studies, click the link in our show notes or visit foundationsbiblestudies.org. See you there.